Did you hear that all of the Muppets, the character guys that play the Muppets characters got fired? I just heard something like that. Yeah. Recently. Yeah, they um I, I don't know why, but they they all got fired and then uh it makes a lot more sense that the, did you see Colbert the other night where they had Kermit the Frog being voiced by Donald Trump's and Donald no. Trump's and Sean Spicer? No, I didn't. Good times. Welcome to This Week in Film. Hello, Wilmington, Delaware, and all the cities around the world. That's my new open for the show. I'm I like that, that there was a cold open. <laughs> uh, I'm Nick Pronto, joined as always by Matt Lauer, Midwest Matt. Hi, everybody. How are you? I'm doing pretty well. How are you, Nick? I'm doing pretty good, too. Um, well, getting right to it. We're going to talk about the movie everyone's been chatting about. The Spider-Man Home. <laughs> this is choreographed well. Yeah. Um, so we both watched the movie The Hallow, which yes. is an Irish horror movie. We also saw Spider-Man Homecoming, but we'll talk about that next. <laughs> yeah, we'll get to that. Um, this is a difficult one to talk about because I enjoyed this movie. Uh, so I don't want to spoil it too much, but I also want to talk about the ending. So we're just going to say this is a spoiler, a spoiled episode because we're going to spoil Spider-Man Homecoming and also The Hallow. Yeah, and, and for those of you who are going to stick around for the Spider-Man part, there are some things that you don't want spoiled. It's true, yeah. It, uh, real quick, if, you, if you're just going to turn the episode off, goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> and nice uh, seeing you. And uh, Spider-Man Homecoming was great. Oh, yeah, yeah. It was really good. So um, go see it and then come back to this and, and you'll know why we're talking about it because we watched it this Indeed. week in film. Indeed. <laughs> so the hollow, that Irish You call it movie. the hollow or the hallow? I guess the hallow is... is that's I couldn't, that's what it I couldn't decide how I wanted to pronounce it. Yeah. Well, you know, I'd say Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows, so I'll go with Hallow, because that is how it's spelled. Hmm. Um, it's from 2015, and directed by Corin Hardy. And it stars Irish John Hamm. Bojana Novakovic and Roose Bolton from Game of Thrones. Right. Um, this was a quality horror movie, and we were talking about it earlier, and I was saying how I'm not sure if I would still like it if it was made in Southern California and starred Americans. Like, I believe the Irish charm of it puts it over the, uh, puts it above the average line. Yeah, definitely. There's something in it atmospherically that comes across because it isn't an American movie and and it doesn't feel at all like an American movie. And it doesn't feel like a fake foreign movie either where they have Americans, you know, speaking with accents. Yeah. So real quick, the movie The Hallow, what's it about, Matt? Um, it's about a family, really. A man, his wife, and their baby. Um, and the man's doing some sort of research on ecological stuff. 
He's some kind of scientist dude. Yeah, and the, you know what? One of the things that I liked about this movie is they didn't try to over-explain stuff. Mm-hmm. They just kind of let you go, oh, okay, I can see that he's messing with cells and watching what they're doing under a microscope. And and it really allows you just to enjoy the atmosphere of the movie. Yeah. Um, and, and I think it allows it to be a lot more spooky because of it. Like any time that he would look through this microscope, it would take me out of the spook a little bit. <laughs> But it was so brief, and it was so like we're knee deep in the spook. <laughs> but it's so brief, and like because they didn't explain it a whole lot, really yeah. allowed for just um, enjoying the. I don't feel like they explained really anything, and it works. Mm-hmm. Like you kind of just kind of figure it out on your own, which is what a movie's supposed to do. You're supposed to tell yourself the story that you're being told. You don't need it explained to you. Right. Like there, there's never really Mister Exposition who shows up and says. Hey, here's what's happening. Yeah, even as you and and I guess some of this conversation we can do without throwing in a lot of spoilers. Oh, but right. e- yeah, even oh, wait, hang on. At this point, we're going to talk about spoilers. It's happening. Okay. All right. All right. Well, you can throw in whatever details you want, but I was just going to say, like, no, as you're finding right now. <laughs> okay, okay. But as you're finding out what's going on, you're finding out kind of with the characters because they do get a little bit of an explanation as to what's going on as scary things start to happen. Um, but it doesn't it doesn't have that exposition feel like the paper yeah. clip just popped up in the corner of the screen and starts telling you stuff. <laughs> um, for instance, uh, at the beginning of the movie, when uh, the guy, Irish John Hamm, is in the uh, the woods and he's marking trees to be mm-hmm. taken down. His like his job. I guess he works for the government and the government has sold off one of Ireland's last forests. Um, fun fact about Ireland and and England, they don't have a lot of trees. Like they don't have very many forests because over the years they've chopped them down. You know, it's an island and. Uh, they just chop down the trees. There are some forests, but they don't have very many. It's uh, not something you think about when you look at it. And then when you see a picture of Ireland, you'll be, you're going to be like, oh, it's just a lot of grass. Huh. So in this movie, he's marking trees because his job is to decide what trees need to come down. I guess one for logging and two eco health reasons. Like, I guess he's choosing s- distressed trees or things like that because he doesn't want to be doing what he's doing because he says it over and over again he's like i don't want to chop the trees down i like trees but it's my job so these trees gotta go but then he finds this deer oh yeah there's sort of a inside a ruin of a house scary ruin yeah finds a a half mangled deer carcass yeah and um gross stuff um this is where the movie kind of takes a so yeah, that deer. <laughs> There's a deer body. As as we were saying just seconds ago, he finds that deer carcass in the in the ruin uh-huh. and um collects a little bit of gross DNA stuff off of it. Right. And then what he tries to imply, I guess, without I guess he explains it to his wife later, is that the deer was infected with that parasitic Cell larva that that he sees in under the microscope yeah but like Mm -hmm. it's that parasite that can infect ants brains 
to get them to climb to the highest point of something in order. It's that zombie parasite. Yeah, I must have been doing something at the same time I was watching this movie because I don't remember that. Oh, really? That's when, when him and his wife are smoking the marijuanas. Oh. That That's what they're talking about. Oh. Yeah. So he takes a sample of that. For some reason, has medical gloves. And, you know, this uh, movie may have more exposition than I realized. <laughs> I but like tuned out some of the info. But that's what... But the thing about it is that the movie starts off with a poem that says something like, uh, if you plant roots in the hallow, the hallow you will become, or something like that. Hallow be your name. Thy kingdom that's come. Like, that's, that's the last The last line is, then hallow be your name. And it, and it is something like, if you place roots. Yeah. yeah. Um, so anyway, the, the implication here with with all the science stuff because he takes his sample home and hooks it up to like an electron microscope he has in his bedroom that is connected to the world's oldest computer monitor right and it shows the and it shows the 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 cell being attacked by the parasite and it taking control and so what the implication is is that oh i see whatever's going on in this movie has something to do with this parasitic fungus that that takes control of your mind and nope yeah, right it's about monsters that live in the forest yeah and there's something about them that is it does spread it does have something to do with him bringing that stuff back to the house it's almost I don't like i think it does though i think it does i think it's like because he took it like like if you steal something from a national park, you're supposed to have bad luck. Like I think it's something like that. Like he takes it. I back don't know. And then this because it starts growing around the house. But was it already there? Because she starts taking the iron bars off of the house when Bruce Bolton comes by. And I think, I think that's something that would have protected them against right that's why the, the bars are there which are like evil fairies by the way right yeah the the bad guys in the movie are evil monsters that live in the woods and they steal children yeah spoiler alert <laughs> the the head monster is Bruce Bolton's monster child but you know i mean it's not really the plot of the movie that is the reason to watch it so as, as much as we're kind of explaining like what happens and doesn't happen, like it's kind of the atmosphere and the tone mm-hmm. of it that really is what's effective, um, which might be one of the reasons the details didn't really stick with me that much either. Um, but there are some pretty, there are a lot of good moments. Mm-hmm. Um, there's some stuff that happens around a car that's pretty creepy. Yeah. There's that one scene where, where the, the car stalls on the road mm-hmm. and uh, he gets locked in his trunk. Mm-hmm. What was up with that? Like he was in that trunk for hours and the monsters don't start attacking until it gets dark. Well, I guess that makes sense because they only come at night because the light hurts them. Yeah. But, but who threw him in the trunk? Um, I don't know if he was in the trunk for as long as, as all that. Like, I think it happens kind of at dusk and then, it's getting dark and then he manages to escape from the trunk. But but the question still stands of like, 
why do they then disappear for a while yeah. and not like stick around and yeah. kill him? Because the rest of the movie, I mean, they... they're after that baby. Baby's right there. Yeah. The one one thing about this movie that's not exactly fulfilling is the motives of these elf people. Yeah. Or or fairies. The fairies. Or yeah. You, you don't quite know what the rules are that they're living by, mm-hmm. and the way that they treat. Other characters, like the family's dog, the father. The other people in the town. Yeah. You know, doesn't make make a lot of sense, but the movie's pretty effective as far as, uh, as far as like a a cheap horror movie. But would it work if it took place in America? I say no. (sighs) If it were still done the same way, but they just didn't have accents... I guess maybe, but then I, it's hard to imagine that without imagine it, well, imagining like it having of, like, more of an American like production. That, that big house that they're in is like a, a house that's older than this country. Right. We're in America. And, and, uh, so like, like the history, like the age of the buildings has something to do with it too, where like countless generations of families lived in that house and how many of them were afraid of the woods. Yeah. Like even though they have cell phones, once the cell phones are sort of out of the picture, mm-hmm. you don't feel like you're in quite modern times. You could be anywhere between like the sixties and now. Yeah. Whereas like if it were, if it were an American thing, it, yeah. It, and the and the characters do most of the right things like yeah. like they call the cops and the cops come and the one cop that shows up he says yeah um there's a lot of superstition around this around these areas and you're not in a good spot uh and the and he starts talking about the hallow and the the Irish John Ham says oh so you believe this too and he goes no i, I don't believe any of this nonsense <laughs> um and then he he leaves because it's basically just you know, yeah. There's a degree of believability in terms of how people are responding to things. Yeah, and and you know you had mentioned offline something too, where the wife was trying to convince the guy of something in that. Yeah, well, yeah. The she was trying to say let's leave, like let's get out of here. And he goes, no, I'm not. I'm not afraid. She goes, let's get the hell out of here. And he goes, it's a good point. Let's, let's leave. <laughs> yeah. Like, and then they convinced to leave. kind of the way people do sometimes where yeah. it's like, no, 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 we really have to. And they go, all right, I guess right, you're yeah, right. I guess. Yeah. You know what? I am being a bit, uh, unreasonable. Yeah. Uh, and then the movie takes about, Two thirds to maybe three quarters of the way through the movie, it takes kind of a strange turn. Yeah, uh, the guy spends a whole lot of time looking through a keyhole, and the monsters in the forest have amazing aim, and they shoot a spore. I'm guessing it's a spore. It's like some sort of needle, needle pro- dart, pro- proboscis kind of thing. something like that, right into his eyeball. Yeah, and, which uh, hurts him for about two seconds and like i'm like if someone shot a needle in my eye i'd be down on the ground like i mean screaming in agony for hours i mean i've had my eyeball cut open while i was watching it i had eye surgery and um i wanted to scream the entire time (laughs) and presumably this was was with some sort of anesthetic right 
I mean, I think I had a Vicodin, and then they, like, numb the area. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you have I mean. to, like, stay awake and stare at the light. Well, that sounds terrifying. It does. But he has no numbing I still have agent. nightmares about it. And in... I'm sorry to hear that, Nick. <laughs> he, he This was an elective procedure. <laughs> yeah, you chose to do that. Yeah. Um, but he gets shot in the eye, and, like... Five seconds later, he's just running around like, yeah, we got to get away from these right. things. Yeah. And I mean, I'd be screaming and running too, but I'd be screaming a lot more if there was a needle in my eye. Yeah. But um, one of the things that they try to get across is that the the parasite or whatever can will like infect your blood and will like slowly take over you, which is, I guess, what they're trying to tell with the deer and stuff. So when he's handling everything with the medical gloves on, you're like, okay, all right. So he's got to be careful with how he touches this. But then like the fungus, the evil fungus is growing everywhere unbelievably fast. And they just start tearing it apart with their hands. And all I could think was, oh, they're going to cut their hands and get infected with this stuff. Nope. Nope. (laughs) It's just, just, just through the eye needles. Oily, uh, just oily vines. And you know, at the point that, and I guess that's where the mind control thing starts to come in, because the man starts to sort of become one of these things. Yeah. Um, and the, as that started to happen, especially when he <laughs> pulls out a giant flaming scythe, <laughs> um, <laughs> I think one of those reaper hooks. Hours. Yeah. Um, it's it gets a little silly. That's a tool that only makes sense to have in Ireland. Like I know that they exist in America, <laughs> where we are, and uh, but it being in random Ireland, it's like acceptable, like just there. an Irish. This, here's the tool we've had for forty <laughs> years. Well, and and it gets that you know in that moment I was like, oh man, this movie just turned dumb, and I had spent the last twenty minutes before that being really grateful that it didn't get dumb, uh-huh. but. The dumb, the dumb is doesn't okay. last that long because, yeah. like, about ten minutes later, it takes sort of another twist, and at the same time as it takes another twist, more really creepy elements come out because some of the visuals of these creatures yeah. are pretty disturbing. Yeah, the creatures are pretty scary looking. So, yeah. yeah, so like the atmosphere sort of changes again, but it's effectively creepy mm-hmm. again. So I ended up. With the with the movie as a whole, appreciating the atmosphere all the way through, well, and then the very at the very end, there's sort of a which one is the real baby moment, right? And I did not know which was the right baby, right? You don't know, and, and it and feels not, like it let's feels not like spoil you could. The end. It feels like you could know, mm-hmm. and you're like, oh, well, if it goes in the direction it might. It'd be stupid, but you can't quite tell. Yeah. And then they make a good choice. It definitely feels like the, they flipped a coin on whether or not it would be the right baby. Yeah. And 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 it, it works. Yeah. The side that they, yeah. The side that landed heads up was, yeah. uh, like, I get the feeling they shot it both ways and didn't know which way, to, which one to use till they were editing it. Yeah, or like maybe had like a test audience or something and went, okay, yeah. let's see how that plays out. But um and then there's another end. After the oh, did you watch the credits? I oh yeah, the the cheap the cheap thing at the very Oh, no, 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 you're right with the loggers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. growing on the logs. Yeah. And then they do like one last jump scare which left the sour taste in my mouth. Oh, I forgot about the jump scare. 
I like yeah. that sequence though at the end there with the loggers. That was that was pretty good. Yeah. Was, I, I wasn't sure if I should keep watching or not. I was like, the credits are going up, but there's stuff happening. Yeah. So I guess I'll keep watching. But like they're they're chopping all the trees down in the forests and and you're like, oh, are all of these men gonna be attacked by the wood monsters? And uh I don't know. Maybe. Look kinda, for the hallow too. Yeah, I kind of concluded yes. Yeah, I would watch a sequel to it. I'm sure it wouldn't be as good, but it's a movie. I told my wife about it, and I was like, "You should watch it. It's, it was pretty cool." And I would watch it again, which is pretty rare for like a Netflix horror movie. Yeah, yeah. If you're into, um, if you're into simple, straightforward horror flicks, this is one of those. Yeah, definitely worth definitely worth checking out. Yeah. And that brings us to the second movie we both saw. This one, together. We did. We went on a date this afternoon and saw Spider-Man Homecoming. And it was pretty awesome. I loved it. Yeah. I loved it. I loved everything. I loved all the little nods, all the like Easter eggs and all that stuff like that I could catch. Um, all Everything. I loved everything. Yeah, I thought I, Michael Keaton was a terrifying villain. I thought he was interesting. I didn't find him terrifying, but I did find him interesting and good. Um, and by the way, believable, we're, complex. We're still going to go into spoilers on Spider-Man Homecoming. So if you haven't seen it and are going to, um, stop, stop listening. Now. But if, come back later. Come back immediately after. Welcome back. <laughs> Yeah, I'm tr- I'm trying to think though of the, of any. I know it's one of those things where if I were to watch it again, there'd be a few things I could pick out. But I'm trying to remember if there were any moments where I was like, "Oh, that was dumb." Oh, you know what? When he was looking into the puddle, and there's a moment where he's like seeing the mask. Oh on his yeah, face. that was a little hokey. There's like a yeah. voiceover thing that's a bit unnecessary. Mm-hmm. Um, but and and there may be two or three other things that are a little bit like that where it's a little unnecessary, but it really doesn't spoil the movie at all. Yeah. Um, it doesn't take away from the charm. doesn't take away from the fun. I had heard before that some folks think there are a few lulls in the movie, but um, I didn't I didn't really feel that way. That, there was one thing, actually. Spider-Man, when it's not close up, still has that rubbery look when he's moving around they it's like oh that cgi, CGI running man thing yeah where it's like the body looks like it's like a rubber band almost yeah There's something about the physics is off yeah i i'll agree with that but it's it's fine yeah it doesn't yeah. really ruin anything um i i thought this movie uh is a great example of uh tone like the movie is very funny yeah. Um but it's not a comedy. Um like every like every scene you're kind of look going, "Oh, what's the next thing that's going to make me laugh in this cool action movie?" Um like it's a good example of of tone where like across the board, like when Peter Parker is on or when he's Spider-Man, spoiler alert, Peter Parker is Spider-Man and um um like he goes through some pretty serious things in the movie, but he always has a, a lightness about him and, and it, it affects the entire movie. Like whenever he's on screen, the movie is, is light and the, 
the vulture is a very dark character and whenever he's on it's very dark and then there are some moments when the the two of them are interacting together and that's when the 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 two tones clash but it doesn't get muddied where you have the lightness of peter parker but the the heaviness of what the vulture represents um conflicting with each other and then there's the inherent conflict of the movie which is really well done and there's more tension there than i think there are and i I mean you can't really i guess you could but i wouldn't bother talking about spider-man and just avoid comparing it all Mm -hmm. um i would say the tension there um between the bad guy and peter when they're actually interacting with each other one-on-one is like the tension's a lot more present. It yeah. makes a lot more sense. They both have reasons for being the way they are that don't feel as cartoonish as like the Dr. Octopus stuff that's in Spider-Man 2. And I compare that the most because that is the best Spider-Man probably behind this one. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't decided on that. Yeah. Uh, I, I think that's fair because I think Spider-Man 2 might actually be a little bit better of a plot but it's not as charming this guy tom holland's really awesome and and actually there are some things in this movie that i think uh are really they're they're done in a really cool way for this movie where instead of just spelling out exposition and origin story stuff at the very beginning and you know spending 40 minutes watching him turn into spider-man it's kind of learn as you go um, and in fun ways, you see him having conversations and with with a couple of different people, you know, and, and um, you know, with Tony Stark, who's there not that much, fortunately, uh, with his friend. So so you kind of get bits and pieces to build the backstory on your own mm-hmm. in, you know, and it doesn't take really time. It's, it's, it's organic. And then you have the backstory without having to watch it all happen again and watch uncle ben be like Shut with up. great power comes great responsibility Dead. or whatever martin sheen's version Dead. said if you can do something then you have to do that your thing. parents are secret agents Otherwise, and you're all part of a monstrous machine <laughs> dead um but yeah so uh very entertaining i mean the movie is very charming is very charming it's very light um i just loved it i really really liked it i liked all the stuff with the suit like the tony stark spider-man suit Mm -hmm. i thought that that would find that all very annoying but i didn't i i really liked it like how he's able like in the comic books when he's able to like shoot like web balls and like make a giant net and stuff you're like, how does he, how's he able to do that? And like, they have these schematics in the comic books that say he can twist the, the nozzle on the web shooters to make them wide or bigger. And he can decide to do that. And I'm like, every time you read that, you're like, that's stupid. Like, (laughs) how does he make a web baseball bat that easily? You know? And then in this, and yeah, he does. And uh, he (laughs) makes everything with webs. Like at one point he, he, he like makes a web captain America shield to like charge some things, you know? Uh, and you're like, how can he make that? And then with the Stark suit, where it is, he like looks at his hands and it says, you have 536 web combinations right. available to you. You're like, that's brilliant. Well, and, and when it comes to the Tony Stark stuff and the larger Marvel, I guess the MCU, um, it really works. 
Like for like I I think I've mentioned on here before I don't really like the Avengers that much, but it doesn't feel like that stuff's invading this movie. It feels like this is its own movie, but it also takes place in this universe and the things that are brought in from the rest of the universe are actually relevant to the plot, relevant to his de- development, mm-hmm. and kind of move it along and, and add stakes to it at the same time. Yeah. So, like, that's the one thing where I'd say, you know, I think that part, it's not necessarily plot, but it's story, I guess. And and it, and, yeah. and that maybe even be better than yeah, there Spider-Man are, 2. There are little nods to all the previous like iron man captain america and avengers movies some very hilarious yeah some some are great but like the movie starts out right after the first avengers movie uh with like a little prologue where michael keaton is like a waste pickupper guy like he's he's in charge of cleaning up the city before there's like a new tony stark division of homeland security or shield or something that they clean it up and then that's the beginning of like the origin of the vulture where he's like what but i bought a car (laughs) (laughs) i did feel like actually that was the one moment i felt like that moved uh, slightly too fast for me Mm -hmm. like because it was like he got fired and two minutes later i think literally he's giving a speech to the people that work with him and going like well, then we're going to change with this world. Right. We're now bad guys. We're bad guys now. <laughs> Everybody on board? I'm on board. Okay. Good. Yeah. We're bad guys. But then but then at the same time throughout right. the rest of the movie, you see him concerned about his family and right. people he's trying to take care of, and it, it, it ends up working better mm-hmm. with that. And then um, like as the movie goes on, like basically what the Vulture's doing is stealing from the government from all of the Avengers' of adventures. Um, like, because at some point they're going through some like Ultron robot pieces. And then basically what they're looking for are these energy crystals from the aliens that invaded during the first Avengers movie. So it really makes the universe feel lived in and give some weight behind all of the other movies. Like at one point they, like all the kids in this school have to watch this Captain America video and Hannibal Burris is a, he, he's like the gym teacher. He's a very funny comedian and uh, he, he, I'm going to ruin the joke for everyone, but he sets up the tape where he's like, so um, I don't know. Captain America is like some sort of international war criminal now. I don't know, but we still have to watch this tape because of the, the events of from civil war. So it's, it's, it's very funny where like, all these people still live in this universe and they know, Hey, the Avengers had a huge falling out and we still don't know where we are from all of that. But you know, watch this video cause you're in school. Well, and, and they, they took advantage of, th- of things like that to make little jokes too. Like one of the videos, Captain America is like, okay so you're a gym teacher here and he points to the left but the gym teacher's on the wrong side of the tv and there are a handful of little jokes like that that if you were just like if you glanced away or weren't really paying attention completely you'd sort of miss Mm -hmm. um and they're the funniest i think those are the funniest things that happen in the movie i mean I, I, i don't laugh out loud at movies very often unless they're bad and i'm laughing at how awful they are mm-hmm. but i laughed at a handful of like intended 
just kind of dry, like witty just, sort of like thing. Like just a quick gag. Yeah. Like that scene when he leaves the party as Spider-Man and he realizes that there are no buildings to web yeah. sling from and he has to run across that golf course. Yeah. I about fell out of my chair. Yeah, that was hilarious. Because that's like a real thing that he would have to deal with. Like... There's no buildings here. Like his his superpower of web slinging through the canyons of New York City is such a specific thing. Like yeah, yeah. he can't go anywhere else. Yeah, it's got limitations. Yeah. Well, and I think that's one thing that throughout the movie actually comes across a lot more than the other Spider-Man movies. Or maybe I just care about it more, but it worked for me more with Tom Holland where I'm like I actually feel like this guy is he's the the deck is sort of stacked against him it's not that he's mopey and whiny and upset about something mm -hmm. so he's not being a superhero it's that he's actually going up against some tough things yeah and he's he's got to kind of work his way through that like yeah. you can feel the growing pains whereas in the other spider-man movies i felt like it was just like yeah, I could do stuff, but meh. Yeah. Cry face. Well, like, even in this movie, like, the high school that he goes to is a high school for talented and gifted super smart kids. Like, he goes to science high school, and even there, he's still kind of a nerd. Like, the the his main anti- Like, they have the Flash Thompson character, which is, like, a comic book guy, uh, or a comic book character who was his like bully in high school, right? Who who loves Spider Man, but like even Flash Thompson is a super smart science kid, right? But uh, not very good. Like that one kid, all his, like they play like the academic decathlon thing, where the one Asian kid, like the only answer he ever says is Flash is wrong. <laughs> <laughs> that kills me. Uh, it was really good, and all the child actors i guess they're all probably 20 years old but like all the kids in the school were great like all of the side school kid characters yeah and like there's like a little moment where spider-man and his his friend ned are hiding around the corner because the vultures right. henchmen are hunting for him and they they're hiding in front of this window and there's like these two kids sitting in the background like going like what the hell are they doing yeah and like Peter Parker runs away to go take care of the problem. And the one kid knocks on the window like, what are you doing? What are you doing out there? Why right. are you standing there in the corner? Right. Because why would they be quiet? Right. You know, like they don't know. Like there's this whole world that's happening right under the nose of all these people. Yeah, exactly. And it's things like that that are really funny because they would happen and actually make things seem a little bit more grounded. real. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. like it's like when when you can see that. In a movie, you're looking at like, like Rogue One, for instance, and you can like things look like they've been worn, mm -hmm. you know, like things are dirty. Yeah, there's like little things like that where you go like, oh, this actually makes this world feel a little bit more lived in, a little bit more real. Mm -hmm. um, and I do, I agree. I think all the acting all the way around was really good, um, it, 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 especially from the young people. Like, yeah. I, I, I thought Michael Keaton did a good job. There were a couple lines I didn't really like that much, but they were corny lines. But like, I, I kids liked are awesome. Marissa Tomei as mm -hmm. Aunt May. Thought she was fine. The kid that plays his best friend was great. I don't know that actor's name, but I mean, uh, but he was he was terrific. The Tom Holland was is easily my favorite Spider Man. Yeah, easily. Definitely. Like I I will always love 
Tobey Maguire Spider-Man and and I will always love Spider-Man 2 and we all know Keith how Keith feels about Spider-Man 1 <laughs> but um but Tom Holland is Spider-Man and it's just yeah. cuz he's so young like at one point Tony Stark refers to him he's like and you're just some 14 year old kid and he's like I'm 15 and he's like shut the hell up well and and this you know I'm uh, I kind of like Spider-Man, but like I've only ever read the Maximum Carnage thing. I don't get into the corny jokes and stuff that he makes. Mm-hmm. With Tom Holland, it works. Like when he's yeah. making like these sort of goofy comments, that it really works. I'm like, oh, this is cool. I can actually enjoy yeah. this dude making corny comments like and goofy quips. stuff. Yeah, because he's a kid. He would do that he would yeah, say he, stuff he like does that. it he's he's scared he doesn't know what's going on so he's just gonna like that scene like it's in all the trailers or whatever but that scene where he goes into the bank while they're robbing the bank and he's like he like try he doesn't know what to do that looks cool yeah where he like leans against the wall and he's like oh maybe if, how do i be how intimidated do I, how do I, uh hey oh gosh intimidation mode <laughs> oh man that was like you said when we were when we were leaving the theater, like at one point he uh, Donald Glover is in the movie and Spider Man tries to intimidate him and the suit has a special intimidation mode. I think it's interrogation. Uh, uh interrogation mode. Yeah. Either way. Yeah. And we're, it's we're clearly safe. it's clearly just a slap in the face to Batman because Spider Man plops down in front of in front of Donald Glover and he's just like, Where were the drugs going? <laughs> it's really funny. And the guy really the Donald Glover is like oh, you're well, not very good at this. He's like he's like, What why are you talking like that? What happened to the little girl voice you had yesterday? Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's oh it's so it's really good. He's um, got a lot of moments like that. Yeah. So Marissa like, Tomei has a half of a line. Or an incomplete line. Yeah. That's hilarious. Very funny. Uh, it made me very excited to see more of the Spider-Man world. Whereas like yeah. the last two movies, I was just yeah. kind of like, ugh. I didn't mind Amazing Spider-Man that much. I didn't like the second one at all. Mm-hmm. But even the first one, even though I enjoyed it, again, like there's, there's something about Tom Holland, I guess the fact that he's younger, but there's also something about just his face and, and, and his voice maybe, you know, partly because he is young, but like Mm -hmm. he can be doing kind of smart alecky stuff and it's kind of charming. Whereas like the Andrew Garfield character, when he was doing smart ass stuff, I'm like, you just seem like kind of a prick. Yeah. And when Tobey Maguire was doing, I'm like, I just feel like you don't know how to read your goofy lines. They're goofy lines and you don't know quite what to do with that. Um, I think um, Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man, and I saw something online recently. I don't remember the video on YouTube, um, but it, it came out just recently. And if someone wants to let me know what it was, I'll credit it. But they they did like a review of like, the difference between Tobey Maguire and the Andrew Garfield Spider-Mans and not, and not so much the, the difference in the quality of the movies because there's, there's no question there, but we're talking about the first two Spider-Man and amazing Spider-Man one and two, but, um, Andrew Garfield Spider-Man was good. I liked his Spider-Man, but Uh his Peter Parker, he was, and this is what they said in the video is that, um, he was a cool dude. Like Peter Parker isn't cool, no, and he's also not a dick. Like yeah. his Peter Parker was a dick, mm-hmm. whereas um, his Spider Man was the same exact 
character, but it, it kind of worked as Spider-Man, but the movie that was around him was terrible. Like those Spider-Man movies weren't bad because of Andrew Garfield. Right. Um, but then like the Tobey Maguire, I kind of agree with you where, uh, I, I like his Peter Parker a lot. I mean, I disagree with you where I like his Peter Parker a lot, but his Spider-Man like lacked that, um, uh, 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 uh smart ass that it needed. Like he said a couple of quips here and there, but nothing like the way Tom Holland delivers them. Yeah. Tom Holland. I'm like, Oh, you, like, I believe that he's making the joke. Yeah. That he's like making, the, or that he's the, making back in the, in the scene in, when they're robbing the ATM, like there's like they're hitting him with like that gravity gun thing yeah. and he's like holding on to the ground and he's like, Oh my God, that really hurts. What is that thing? Yeah. You know? Um one thing that they didn't address at all in the movie, and I read an interview with like one of the producers where they're like, We're didn't even bother with that, is uh the Spidey sense. Yeah. Like I didn't I guess he just doesn't have it. So I don't know if it's that came to mind for me at some point and I was like, I don't really know how I would handle that either. Yeah. I wouldn't want it to some degree. Like I, I definitely wouldn't want it to be something that's overpowered where it seems like he knows everything that's about to happen. Right. Cause that's a little too overpowered. But Yeah. Well, it's like in the, in the, that scene in the first Spider-Man where he gets into the fight with the bully with Flash Thompson and Flash is like throwing punches at him and it's, he's going so slow that Peter like, like leans back and like looks at his fist and he goes like, huh, neat. That's like one of the best moments from the first Spider-Man is when he realizes just how fast he is. But that's like the only time they really show the spider sense thing, except for like at the end when he jumps over the green goblins glider mm. thing. Um, the end of the movie uh, had echoes of that, first uh spider-man movie like the ending of the first spider-man movie i love like when the green goblins pumpkin bomb blows up half of his face oh. and he's all like bloodied and the mask is is like shredded yeah. that's the problem that one problem i had a lot with amazing spider-man 2 is he just constantly takes his mask off because uh producers complain oh well we can't see his mouth we can't we can't see his face you know Mm -hmm. Um, so like even in this one, it has a little touch of, he takes his mask off an awful lot. Whereas at the end of the first Spider-Man movie, he's like battle damaged to reveal his face. So you can get the emotion that way. Well, with the current design of the costume too, there's a, I, I guess you're, you're right. He did take the mask off uh, quite a few times, but, but even when he has it on because the eyes change shape, yeah, there's so much more emotion in that. Yeah. It's it's re it really is emotive, and you know I think in the other movies there's a bit of like extra body movement to make up for the fact that the yeah. eyes don't change, and it doesn't seem quite so natural. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so here that's pretty nice, and there really weren't. Well, one thing I was really grateful for was that there weren't many things that during the movie, you know, of course we're comparing now a bit, but like during the movie. I wasn't reminded of the other movies mm -hmm. and I was really grateful for that. That when, when he did look in the puddle and you can see half his mask and half his face exposed, I was like, Oh, that's a little bit like that. But otherwise there really weren't any things like, I want to say scenes, but there's actually one other exception because there's a sh very short and I was really grateful. It was short. There's a moment in this movie where it feels a little bit like the raindrops keep falling on my head scene <laughs> where it's like, he goes back to just being a student, but it's like a, 
it's not even a montage. It's like him and his friend building something out of Legos and then it moves on. And yeah. and I was like, Oh, okay, cool. You know? And, and I think that's actually one moment where I was like, Oh, there hasn't been a lot of that throughout the movie where I've been reminded of the other movies. It's, yeah. it's very much its own thing. And you really get to feel that he is a kid. Like his buddy wants to come over and build Legos. Yeah. And, and like at one point the friend is like, I want to be your guy in the chair. And he's like, what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> he's like, you know, like you, you call me up on the phone and I'm, and I'm on all these computers for you. And when that scene happens, I didn't realize it was happening uh-huh. until he like slides back from the computer and he's like, guy in the chair. <laughs> oh yeah. And even there, even there, that that's in the midst of action going on where there's some tension and stuff but Mm -hmm. it's it's actually still fun and it doesn't take away from it it's not like the stakes just disappear because there's a joke it's like no we're having fun while stuff's happening yeah the stakes in throughout the movie get increasingly higher like the that that tension when you're in the car before the dance yeah yeah that i mean that was like as as he's putting it all together. I mean, I don't know why we're trying not to do spoilers for this, but I don't know. I, I hey, didn't seem like we were. Michael Keaton is Liz's dad. There, right. I did it. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Um. So when they're in the in the car together, and Michael Keaton's putting it together, for, like I don't know how he figured it out, other than maybe Peter Parker being weird. Um. Well, it was that he was. The comments were just happening to come up that were like. Hey, you weren't there during that moment that right. that thing happened where Spider-Man was. Yeah. Oh, well, there was this other moment. No, you weren't there for that either. Right. You're never around when Spider-Man's around. Yeah. But you're always at the places that he is. Yeah. Um, like he put it together a little quick, but yeah. it worked and the tension like when Michael Keaton answered that door, I gasped. I was like, <gasps> yeah, because part of me was like, oh my God, he's kidding. Or not like, not that, oh my God, he kidnapped her family. I'm like, oh, he kidnapped the family. Like, and he's just waiting for him. And then I went, oh my God, he's the dad. Right. And I went, oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, Really good movie. Really enjoyed the hell out of it. And there's a character in the movie who you sort of find out who they are at the end and they're a likable character and they're kept kind of subtle enough. They only have a couple lines and then at the end you find out who she is and you're like, Oh, Oh, I didn't care for that. I, I wouldn't have if I didn't like the character, but throughout the movie I was like, I like this chick. She's fun. I mean, I thought she was fun, but they should have just gone with a different character for her. I don't know. And I thought that was real heavy handed at the end. That's one thing I didn't like is they should have just made her a different character. See, I think, I think we're, we're looking at it from two different angles. Not that we have to agree anyway, but like you will agree with, I'm thinking if, uh, spoiler, if Mary Jane is going to be in the movies, she should be likable. That's where I'm coming from. So like when there, she was like, oh, my friends call me MJ. I was like, oh, that, that's kind of annoying. So I kind of see where you're coming from. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I'm like, well, of course, MJ's going to be in these. Cool. It's actually this chick who's, you know, pretty interesting and fun. Now, I don't know if you caught this, but they were a little heavy handed with that. But did you notice Gwen Stacy? Who she was she? The, the blonde with the black headband. 
Okay, yeah, I saw her. I yeah. noticed her visually, but I didn't. I'm, hear I'm assuming that that's supposed to be Gwen Stacy. Oh, they didn't say her name. They didn't say because uh, okay. I was listening for it a couple of times, but they were real like uh, casual with things like that. Like at one point, um, when the vultures, one of the vultures' plans gets screwed up, and he goes, "Well, we've only got two more jobs," and he's like. He's like, is the Gargan thing ready to go? And I was like, oh, Gargan. Oh, man, are they going to do Scorpion? And and they kind of do. Like, they kind of do. Matt Gargan is the I, Scorpion. I don't know enough of the story. He's a Spider-Man villain. Um, he's the guy that has a big Scorpion's tail. He wears a big suit, and they did experiments on him, and he, turned into, he turns into a monster. Spoiler alert. Well, <laughs> he just but, spoiled a movie. That but he has a Scorpion out. tattoo on his neck. Yeah. And, um, but I was like, oh man, what a subtle thing. Like it's not heavy handed until the end when it's not yeah. subtle, but, um, I liked it. I liked, I like all the little nods and things like that. Yeah. Um, I'm interested to see where they go next. So long as Marvel is in control. Yeah. I hope they won't rush it so much that there's not enough time to really let little things build. Cause I feel like that those tiny touches and stuff are things that, and maybe I'm wrong. I mean, I've never made a movie, but I feel like those things are things that can get added with enough time and input. Mm-hmm. Whereas like a rushed movie or like a sequel that's coming out really quickly. It's like, the jokes that are in it are kind of forced. Like they had yeah. a quota and market research says that a joke at this point in the movie hits heart the hardest. Yeah. And this is why I feared Deadpool too. Mm. Yeah. I agree. Um, the other thing that I liked is uh, he's only 15. So like there's one scene where he has to drive a car Oh right, and he, <laughs> he kind of like wrecks it almost immediately. And I was like, Oh man, awesome. What a dick move. And then you're like, Oh wait, maybe it was an accident. Cause right. he just doesn't know how to drive. Yeah. It's like, it's like having him run across the field without having something to swing from. It's yeah. like, he's just trying to get around and you don't yeah. see Spider-Man in that position very often. Right. So, uh, very cool. Very fun movie. Definitely, definitely check it out. Yeah. Uh, it's probably my favorite movie of the year. Uh, so far, I mean, I just saw it a couple hours ago, so yeah, uh, I'll have to digest it a little bit. But it's not quite Wonder Woman for me. But you liked Wonder Woman more. I th- I definitely like this it's, more it's than hard, Wonder Woman. It's hard to say I like Gal Gadot and Chris Pine more than Tom Holland because I like Tom Holland so much. Um, but. Yeah, I don't think I can say that. I think I just, I, I just may be in love with Gal Gadot. <laughs> that may it's just so, be it. It's if, just so. If Tom Holland's just so pretty. If Tom Holland were a gorgeous woman who could look at the camera and make me feel like I need to be a better person, then I would like <laughs> this more. Um, like I think Wonder Woman. I don't know. Was... I think you know. Actually, I actually want to say I think they both they complement each other really well this summer for for in terms of like giving things a different flavor and atmosphere and spit and spin, mm-hmm. you know, with, with wonder woman, it was like, look how messed up the world is by seeing how good this person is. And this one's got like a man, look at someone actually kind of struggling to be a superhero and wanting to be a superhero. It's not like against his will. Right. Yeah. He like wants to be an Avenger yeah. and he's like, like when, when, when he says goodbye to Tony Stark and he's like, all right, the next adventure. 
or the next mission. And then the, the title that says eight months later, you're like, Oh, he, (laughs) he's kind of, he kind of got used. Yeah. He's He's just another one of Tony Stark's one night stands kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but I will say like, as much as I enjoyed wonder woman, I had no expectations from that. Yeah. Whereas going into this, uh, I really had high hopes for it being a Marvel production and, and like, uh, I know you say you don't like all the stuff that they've put out, but it's all pretty, it's all pretty much quality. Like there's nothing, nothing Marvel's put out has been as bad as like Batman versus Superman. Nothing. I haven't seen them all. Nothing. But I'm inclined to believe that. <laughs> And um, so Wonder Woman being good. Wait, hold on. Iron Man 2. Not as bad as Batman versus Superman. I don't don't plan on watching either of them ever again, so I'll just take (laughs) your word for it. But like we saw the trailer for Justice League going into Spider-Man, and it was, and you're just like, ugh, I'm going to have to sit through this whole goddamn movie multiple times. Because you're going to have to watch... You're going to have to watch it in the theaters. And then when it comes out, because it's going to suck in theaters, they're going to have the special extended DVD. Uh, and then and then you're going to have to like watch that. And then we'll have to watch Justice League Part 2 because it's a two-part movie. Oh, uh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. See, I don't know if that's true, though, because I, I uh, have not watched the extended version of Batman versus Superman. Not worth it. Uh, you see, and I don't think I'll bother. And and. I will go see this, but you know, I'm um, um, I'm not hopeful. <laughs> it's, it's, <laughs> it's 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 it is tr- clear. It is truly the DC fan in me that will go and just hope for some some things I can enjoy. Yeah, and not with expectation, but just like sort of hope. Like, please, God, give me something here. But what I may end up doing is walking out as mad as I was at Batman versus Superman that I walked in that way with too, but still ended up so much more pissed than I thought. And now I'm going to be mad not only because they're ruining Batman again by giving him a crappy movie to be in, but that they'll be ruining Wonder Woman too, because now I loved what she was. Yeah. So, (sighs) but apparently the uh, director for Wonder Woman's coming back for Wonder Woman too. So hopefully that can help, but I don't know if that means it's going to be like a, where it's going to be set in time. Yeah. I don't know know that it'll be interesting. I mean, you could set it anywhere. I mean, so if it's current, my expectations would be low. I agree. Yeah. It's, it's kind of a, I've said it before, but uh, I think having a comic book set in the past, comic book movie set in the past, especially one as colorful as wonder woman, being set in the past gives it a certain charm to it. Like I really want the, whatever they do the next fantastic four movie, cause they will is to just have it take place in the sixties. Mm-hmm. Cause I've been reading a lot of old fantastic four and it's the perfect time period for that, where you could just end science today. Meanwhile, on the dark side of the moon live the watchers and the oxygen part of the world. Yeah, on the other, the blue side of the moon, there's there's oxygen. I don't want to see this movie. I do. I do. Because <laughs> it'd be fun and charming because it'd be fun. Like that X-Men First Class took place in the 60s and that movie was lots of fun. That was fun. That was fun. And like, you know, they don't all have to be dire end of the world movies, you know, like- like even like even as depressing as Logan was, yeah. The events in Logan 
pretty small. Are very small. Like if Logan failed, if if Logan fails, I don't want to spoil that movie for anyone. If Logan fails in Logan, n- n- the greater world at large is greatly unaffected. Well, in in, in coming back to Spider Man for a moment too, even though the stakes got higher. I still felt like, hey, man, this isn't like uh, the world is going to end right now if Spider-Man doesn't solve this thing to save the world right now. There's no giant beam from the sky or army of creatures. It's like someone's going to have some power and they're bad. Yeah. I mean, and I mean, really, all it is 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 he's just trying to stop a robbery. Yeah, that's it. And the guy who's robbing things is just selling stuff. Then that's it. Like the guy, he's like a drug dealer. Yeah. He's just stealing something to sell it to someone else. Mm -hmm. You're absolutely right. Like the stakes are so low, but the tension. They're meaningful. Yeah. They're mean and they're meaningful to the characters in the movie. So like, like Tony, like Iron Man doesn't even show up at the end of that movie. Like, like he should be there supervising (laughs) what's going on at Avengers tower. Right. And he's not. And that's how of little consequence all that stuff is to him. You know? Yeah. Like Well, and there is there is one sort of Iron Man ex machina moment in the movie. But it's uh it's not the climax of the film. Or no, like it's, it's and the end of the movie, like Spider Man decides this this is this is worth fighting for. Like stopping this is worth worth it to me. Yeah, and he's got to live with it, you know. Like, and also that sequence where he's like underneath all that rubble. Yeah, is straight out of a old issue of Spider Man. Oh. It's uh, which was which was a cool callback. There's an issue of Spider Man where he's like trapped underneath all this rubble, and Aunt May is dying, and he's got to get her this uh. Uh, medicine, magic medicine that'll heal her, but he's stuck under this building that's collapsed on him, uh-huh. and no one is coming to help him. Like the help is not coming, and he basically has to will him, like find the strength yeah, to get out of the hole. Himself. Yeah, and uh, I was like, oh, that's a cool Easter egg, and it's done pretty well. You know, <clears throat> yeah, it it worked, and and that's another thing where if if I'm not just trying to rag on. Toby Maguire, although I don't you know, honestly don't like him, but like um, the if he were doing that particular scene, it wouldn't have worked. It wouldn't work now. But with Tom Holland, it super does. I'm like, yeah, yeah look at it. go go ahead. Well, I talk mean, to yourself, think, give I yourself think, a pep talk. Well, because he's calling himself, come on, Spider Man, come on, Spider Man. He's a he's a child. Still. Yeah, he doesn't consider himself like a man. He still thinks of himself as a boy. Or or a teenager, mm-hmm. so like he's he like he's like cheering himself on. Like until that moment, I don't think he really believes that he is Spider Man. Yeah, and and it's such a sort of if it's it's, it's it's a childish way of trying to do it. Where like right. as an adult, you'd try to like think yourself into something maybe with logic and argument and stuff, and try yeah. to rationalize things. And he's just like basically going, "Come on, I'm Spider Man. Do it. Right. Come on." You 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 could do it, Spider Man. And then he doesn't, and he dies. Sorry, everyone. Yeah, Spoiler he drowns alert. to death. <laughs> the movie ends with a funeral for a Sorry. friend. 
As the building crushes him, it says squish because he's a spider. <laughs> um. All right. Well, we're at about that time. For um, the end of the show or for, the, for movie versus movie? For the end of the show, question. but it looks like you're you're prepared for a sequence of movie versus movie, Batman versus movie, Dawn of movie. I do look that way, huh? Yeah. So what do you got, Matt? Uh, Well, you know, I was thinking it would be interesting to have a movie versus movie with two um, disaster elements. Oh. One being Independence Day. An excellent film. <laughs> and the other being Twister. There's a, a a woman that I work with who that is her favorite movie. Christine, if you're listening, congratulations. You made it to the show. Christine, your favorite movie is Twister. Doesn't make any sense. I applaud you. No, don't. Well, not for liking it, but for admitting it. That takes guts. <laughs> um. Oh, I have to pick. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, you can talk about some pros and cons of either of them. Oh, uh, Independence Day is good despite itself. Like it's enjoyable, like despite of itself. It's a it's a masterpiece despite itself. I love huh. Independence Day. I don't know if I could say Independence Day is like good, it's hokey and corny. It is hokey and, 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 corny. and everything, but I love every second of it even the stuff that's terrible i love even the dog jumping in front of the fire that's so bad it's <laughs> so bad so stupid but i actually i always forget about the the whole vice or lady first lady i was gonna say the lady president <laughs> i always forget about the first lady stuff like like where she's laying there and all the um is it vivica a fox is the will smith's wife I think that's right. Um, I always forget about her storyline uh-huh. with the dog, and then she finds the president's wife and, and all that nonsense. Right. Yeah, and they're in a tunnel that's filled with fire, and yeah. because they don't get directly burned by it somehow, they're they fine. also live through it. Yeah, they don't of die of, like, you know, breathing in noxious fumes. Yeah. Or temperature (laughs) it's a it's an excellent movie full of full of great just great performances like bill pullman will always be my president (laughs) will smith is great young it's like hey i'd trade our current president for bill pullman yeah (laughs) oh yeah like almost anything i would trade our please can someone make that happen please (laughs) hello I haven't watched the new Independence Day. I have not either. Um, but uh, from the trailers, like he has like a weird high pitched voice. Oh lord! <laughs> so I don't know what's up with that. But Twister. Well, uh, hang, so, hang on, so hang we're on, going hang Bill Pullman versus hang on. Bill Paxton. Before we, yeah, but before we go to Twister, there's a couple more things in Independence Day that are at least worth noting. Right, One, Jeff Goldblum. Well, always. <laughs> um, and Windows ninety five. I'm not as excited about that, as excited about that one, um, but well, it's it's probably the first Man. movie that really gave us a monument being destroyed, you know, where it's like the White House gets exploded, and yeah, now we have like movies where every time something shows up, it's blowing up things that are right. like monuments and Capitol, you know, buildings and stuff. And I know they make some joke about that in the second Independence Day, but like, 
that's tons of movies now. Yeah. Well, like, um, remember in, uh, is it the second Austin Powers movie where he says, I'm going to blow up the White House, and they just play the clip from Independence Day, and then they cut back to Dr. Evil, and he's laughing. He's like, "It's that didn't really happen. That's that's from a movie. It's it's from a movie. It didn't happen. Don't worry about it. <laughs> um, but also, I think it's worth giving them some credit for their alien design. I know it wasn't completely like unlike other alien designs, mm-hmm. but I did think they were pretty cool. Yeah, no, the aliens are cool. Like, everything about the movie works for me. It okay. Is, <laughs> Everything about it works. Randy Quaid. Randy, even Randy Quaid and his weird, <laughs> his weird kids work. Okay, you know, like especially because like back in the early mid nineties, you had everybody with their abduction stories and all that stuff, and that that really plays into the plot. And yeah, I kind of forgot about that little zeitgeist. Oh yeah, yeah. X Files. There are so many people out there who said they got probed by aliens, right? And that's out there. It's a twister. It's out there. Truth is out there. Um, And Twister has tornadoes. And Helen Hunt. And Helen Hunt. And Finger of God. And When I was young, I had a huge thing for Helen Hunt. I I think Helen Hunt is a lovely woman. I always liked Mad About You. and I don't know if my crush holds, but... You know, it's been a while since I've seen Twister, so maybe if I watch it, I'll go like, oh, yeah. We should watch Twister. That's true. So you all know what we'll be doing after we <laughs> wrap up this podcast. Uh, selling points. What are, what are the high points? What are the low points? High points of Twister are decent special effects at the time. Um, It's been so long since I've seen Twister. It, was it the first of the... Disaster. Natural disaster movies of that uh, kind of era, like I before feel like Volcano it was. Do you know what and Dante's year? Peak and everything. Is that like ninety five? Uh, that was my guess in my head, so I'm going to mm. go with probably. Um, I'll tell you what, I'll check it out on IMDb. It's got to be. It definitely was before Volcano because I think Volcano and and whatnot was ninety seven, ninety eight. Well, didn't Volcano? Well, no, because Volcano and Dante's Peak came out at the same time, right? Yeah. I was thinking about Volcano like just the other day. Like, Ugh. why did they bother trying to save the city? <laughs> Just evacuate. Just leave. Twister's 1996. Wow. Okay. Although, there was another Twister. That Night was of the 1989. Twisters. Nope. Well, that's the thing, too. That's also 1996. But there's a movie called Twister in 1989. That was the, the drama based on the board game. <laughs> Uh, it was it was the sequel to Clue, <laughs> Twister Two, Left Foot Green. Um, so wait, okay, you so. will play until I say you can stop playing. So so decent <laughs> there, special just a mangled body like <laughs> just twisted into a knot and dead. <laughs> the cops find him and he's like another one. <laughs> In so, my head, a man is at the end of that plot. Well, that's the beginning of the movie. Oh. Yeah. But there's got to be lots of twists. Oh, it's yeah. So many twists. Um, the killer was you. This um, The tagline, was it? It was like, now it's your turn. 
<laughs> what was the movie? What was the tagline for the Halle Berry movie in the the theaters? Uh, <sighs> they messed with the wrong mother. They messed with the Something wrong like mother. That? And I uh, said, I said, it'd be great if the tagline was like, "They finally found the right mother." Um. Okay. So so Twister pro, pros are Helen Hunt was cute. <laughs> Decent special effects. Decent for special the time. effects. Bill Paxton. Uh. Isn't Carrie Elways in it too? And isn't he like the guy in the other team? Carrie Elways is it uh, something of the bride? Yeah, the Princess Bride. Prin- the Princess Bride. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a he's the he's, he's the, the competitor. The com- he's the 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 bad guy. The I mean, he's he's not a tornado. <laughs> 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 Carrie Elways as the, the tornado. Twister. <laughs> <laughs> it's just him going. Um. He spins Finger around like Wonder Woman in the old show. Um, <laughs> the tornado has googly eyes. Is, is that it? Is that it for the, the selling points? Uh, it's got a it lot of be. lines that I know, but I can't think of them right now. Like it's got a lot of like, it's a very quotable movie. I think it knows what it is. Yeah, like it's got that sort of like lighthearted, not really taking itself too seriously. And thing. it gave us the Twister experience at Universal Studios, which was cool. Never, never. I was had cool. That it was like introduced by Bill Paxton, and he's like, "The tornado, one of nature's perfect killing machines." Here's what an F1 tornado feels like, and like the fans in the studio turn on, and you're like, "Ooh!" And he goes, and that cuts back to Bill Paxton. He's like, "Now feel the full force of an F5 tornado bearing down on you." And then you get a fence through your and stomach. Then, and then they turn the fan on high, and it's like. And then, like, things on the set move, and then there's, like, fire explosions. It's cool. And then at the end, then he goes, tornadoes, go see Twister in theaters 10 years ago. Do they acknowledge (laughs) at some point that that's not actually actually equal to the force of an F5 because you would have been sucked off the ground and killed? Please don't say sucked off on the podcast. (laughs) You have told me multiple times this is an explicit content podcast so i will say sucked off if i want to <laughs> correct term is vacuum towards uh so i guess i guess low points low points of twister corny i know that's a pro too but still and they're holding onto a pipe yeah I feel like the mother of, and, and now I, you know, if this actress listens to your podcast, I don't want her to be offended, <laughs> but the mother of Helen Hunt's character, if I remember correctly, was not very good at acting. <laughs> true. <laughs> That's true. That's true. I had wind chimes outside my apartment. I took them down because they were annoying me. Um, so, oh, so okay. Well, all right then. What's your what's your pick? Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say. I think I'm gonna go with Twister. Believe it or not. Um, yeah. See now, I could watch that and kind of, kind of laugh at it. Fourth of July. 
But I don't think I I don't need to. I don't need to watch it in per- although it is a pretty good Phil Pullman impression. So good job, Nick. We uh, will not go quietly no, no. into the night. I didn't say you, you encourage me. We will not no. vanish without a fight. Oh god. We're going to live on. We're going Why to survive. Why are you taking your pants off? Today, because you have to salute the flag. We celebrate our independence day. That's yes! the whole, and that whole one speech. Pilot. Well, no, there's a, like a little bit speech. more at the beginning where he's like... Oh, where they can take our lives, but they can't take our freedom? No, that's the one with the dude from Daddy's Home 2. Oh. This whole court's out of order? Yeah, that's it. Oh. I want the truth. So, yeah, so I'm going to go with Twister, because I think I'd I'd rather watch it, and I don't think, as, as, as hokey as it is and stuff, I don't think it has as many drawbacks for me as Independence Day does. Hmm. Like, Independence Day may have some things that I enjoy, but it has actual negatives, too, whereas Twister's just corny and stupid, and then it's got some good points. Hmm. So, yeah, so I go with Twister. All right. One for Twister and one for Independence Day. I'm looking forward That'd to watching for Twister now. now, so stay tuned for Nick's first. amendment when he apologizes <laughs> for being <laughs> wrong. There's no way I'm going to be wrong. I've seen Independence Day got to be 25, 26 times. Uh, I saw it twice. You've only seen it twice? <laughs> yeah, I think so. It's like on TV all the time. Like that one, when Bill Pullman finishes his speech and that one soldier goes, yeah, I've seen that guy in like a hundred movies and I couldn't name any of them. But you know him. From but I know him moment. from the scene where he like puts his fist in the air in Independence Day. Ready one, box three. Doesn't anybody have a missile left? <laughs> I do, Mr. President. So if that's the end of the reel. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to. It's gonna read Independence Day. Hey boys, remember me? Oh god, you're making me feel more and more comfortable with my vote for Twister. Well, anything to plug, Matt? Uh, yeah, actually, you know what? I know I usually say something here or there about mental health stuff. Uh, there's a podcast out there called Personality Hacker um, from the Personality Hacker website, and. Um, Particularly for people who are considered uh, what, what we call intuitives. Um, and if you don't know whether you are or not, if you feel like you're a little bit of a weirdo, you may be an intuitive. Um, a it's a really good resource for just kind of uh, uh, kind of playing with ideas about different kinds of personality styles and stuff. I, I found it really interesting and I think it helps uh, kind of put things in perspective for people. So if you're looking for something free and interesting, there you go. And if you go to their website... Um, personalityhacker.com you can take a free pretty short quiz to find out what your own personality type is um, it's not super 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 scientific or anything but it's pretty cool stuff alright and uh, check out thisweekinfilm.com I'll update it at some point I don't think I've done the last three episodes on there it takes a lot of time and once the episode goes up and I didn't do it I'm like I'll have to get back to that um, so, but you can find all our old stuff there. You find our links to the Facebook, the Twitter, all that stuff. It's all there on the website. Um, but if that's the end of the reel, we'll see you next week in film. See you, everybody. Toodly loo.